Do you have something that is worth the world to you? Maybe a piece of jewelry, maybe um, an object that someone who's very special to you gave to you. Maybe this person is not here anymore. And this object has more of a sentimental value to you, more, more so than a dollar amount. Do you? So all of us have a thing or two that we deem precious, valuable. The good news is that to God, we are his precious things. So Genesis 127 says that we are created in God's image. So right off the bat, we are, we're good. We're created, created in God's image. And Isaiah 43a says, the Lord says, you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Aren't those really good words to hear? So today we're going to discuss our privilege as sons and daughters of God in bringing people closer to God. We have a privilege in helping people to realize that their identity is not what the world says, but what God says, that we are precious, that we are honored, and we are loved. So in order to do that, I came up, well, I didn't do that. I'm going to explain after I, I, I pray how this sermon came about. But I call the four C's of people who understand the value of a soul. And the four C's are compassion, creativity, cooperation, confidence, and courage. So we have to do these, we have to, to be those five things individually and collectively as church. So let us pray. God, I pray that I will be um, an instrument to use in your hands. I pray that um, I won't mess up. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will be working in people's hearts. This is not me. This is from you, God. And I pray, continue to speak to us this morning. Amen. So before I start, I'm going to say I'm really nervous. I'm usually playing the piano. I can play all day for you, and I will not be nervous. But if I have to speak, then I will. Uh, full disclosure, when JP asked me to preach today, uh, he actually invited me, like, in July 2022. I was like, okay, you know, like, JP is going to preach three services on Christmas Eve. I knew that Pastor Dan was going to do the late service. Of course, I can, you know, give them a break. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, no one is going to be here. Um, boy, I was wrong. You're here. <laughs> um, so, you know, if, if, if I crash and burn, just remember how well I play the piano, okay? <laughs> All right. And the true story about this sermon was um, my brother Fred is a... Um, pastor. He's a, he's a, he plants churches. He's a church planter in New Jersey. And <clears throat> I went to New Jersey with my family um, maybe two or three months ago uh, to celebrate my brother's church's first anniversary. It's an uh, ethnic church. He's working with Brazilians in uh, Long Branch, New Hampshire. Who would have known that we have a bunch of Brazilians there. Um, so we're celebrating his first anniversary uh, of the church. And the 
the church, the main church that supports my brother's church, which is a big church in, 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 in New Jersey, came to preach. My brother had asked me to do the music, which, yeah, easy, I can do it. And then as I was getting off the stage, the pastor of this main church was coming onto the stage to preach. Then my brother comes to me and says, hey, what are you doing? You're translating. And I was like, uh, come again? Um, you're translating the service. We talked about it. And probably did. I just didn't remember. And uh, it was this, like, spot-on translation, you know. Um, I kind of prayed before, like, God, I, I, I just don't want to mess this up. But um, it ended up being very touching. It ended up being very inspirational. It ended up being something that really blessed me. And I thought, you know what? FCC needs to hear this too. So this is not all me. Maybe some of the examples are mine, um, but I just want to have full disclosure. You know, this was something that I heard in New Jersey that blessed me, that touched me. And it kind of embarrassed me because as the pastor was speaking in English and I was translating slash crying in Portuguese, and it was just this beautiful moment. Um, so... Mark 2, 1 to 12, the beautiful scripture reader, you guys saw her, my wife. Am I bragging? Yes, I am. <laughs> so it says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not inside the house or outside the house. Some men came, bringing him bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four. Since they could not get him, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat where the man was lying on. I'm reading again so we can have a picture of this. This is kind of crazy. When Jesus saw their faith, the he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law, the Pharisees, were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is, which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to this man, I'll, I'll tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have, we have never seen anything like this. I want you to understand the background of this. A sleepy little village on the north shore of Galilee. That's what this took place. This is the setting. There's a house and a lot of people inside the house and, uh, and inside the house and outside the house. I'm assuming that the house was not really that big and there's people everywhere. Then there's this paralytic man um, that wasn't able to be there, right, to hear Jesus. But someone thought of him. Actually, four men thought of him. So while Jesus was preaching, these four men went to this paralytic's house, brought him, carried him where Jesus was. 
guys getting this? So what happened to the Sparrow Lyric Man that day was a result of the decision of these four men. And the decision was, there's somebody who needs to hear Jesus. And they thought of this paralytic man. So, <clears throat> the five qualities that we need to have a God's people in order to bring people to him, we should possess these qualities individually and um, as a church. The first one is compassion. Verse 3 says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four. So these four men, by the way, they don't have a name in the Bible, but what they did was so important. They were there. They were able-bodied men. They were there in the house. They could have said, I'm going to be here. I'm already here. Got a spot. I can hear Jesus. But compassion made them think about there's somebody who needs to hear this. This man is powerful. He's the son of God. He can heal this paralytic man. But I want to talk about the five people, the five types of people who were in the house that day, okay? Type number one, the paralytic, right? Well, he was in the house, was brought to the house. The curious, verse 2 says, immediately many gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, not even outside the door. There were curious people there, maybe people who never ever heard of Jesus, but they saw the commotion. They saw, hey, what's happening there? There's a house full of people. What is happening? I want to find out what's happening. So um, talking about curious people, um, maybe these people were not really interested in, in getting to know Jesus. They were just going through the motions. Maybe, you know, maybe it was that house over there. I can see it. Why are there people there? Just out of curiosity, let's go find out. Um, and it's funny because, oh, oh, this curious part thing, that was something that I added. Um, speaking of people who are curious, in Brazil, we have uh, what we called um, public mortuary chapels. So if you don't have a plan, you know, like for a funeral or whatever, you can request with your town to, um, to do the wake and to do the funeral at this uh, public mortuary um, chapel. And we uh, lived, back in Brazil, lived close to one. There was one in our um, street. And um, it was very common, very common for us to just go about our business and then see that, you know, People were gathering there. You know, somebody uh, had died, and they were doing the wake and the funeral there. So curious people were in the house, and I know curious people. One day, my mother-in-law and I, my mother-in-law, by the way, that I love to death, I'm not speaking ill of her, we were going home, coming from, I think, the market, and we, like, were carrying stuff, you know, carrying the bags and stuff, and then... We're talking, and then I noticed that there were people there in the mortuary chapel, and somebody was in there, you know, the whole deal, a wake and a funeral. And I'm talking to my mother-in-law, and all of a sudden, she doesn't respond anymore. And I look to my side, and I don't see her. And I look to the mortuary chapel, and she was in there. And she was, I kid you not, hugging people, giving condolences, and I was like, oh, my God, what is she doing? 
she was curious. She wanted to see who the person was. And to be honest with you, I, I bet there were people like that when Jesus was there. The third type of people who were there when Jesus was in this house, the careless. Verses 2 and 4 say, Immediately many gathered together so there was no room left, not outside, not inside. They could not come near him because of the crowd. So there were people there who didn't think about anybody else. They were able to walk, get in the house, or get close, and they were just there. I'm here. This is my spot, and I'm going to get what I can get from this experience. And to be honest with you, we as a church and even individually, if we're not careful as a church, we can find ourselves very internally focused, become inflicted with the I, me, mine syndrome. We need to have an outward missional mindset. There's people who are not here who should be here. The critical were also in the house. Verse 6 says, Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. The Pharisees were looking to find something to criticize. And boy, come on. We have people in our lives who are the criticals. Correct? People who say, that's not going to work. You're doing this wrong. Oh, no, don't do that. Just mind your own business and things are going to be okay. There were people like that, too. And actually, they put their judgment into words. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Not only they thought that, but they said that out loud. The fifth type of person who was there, the compassionate. These four men had compassion enough to put someone else's need over their own. Mind you, they were there. They didn't have to go and get this paralytic man. They were there. They were good. But they thought, I know a, a guy, I know a person who should be here. I know a person who should listen to Jesus. So the first quality is compassion. Second quality that we need to have individually and as a church to understand the value of a soul is creativity. Verse 4 says, since they could not get to him, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. They did not stop these four men who understood the value of a soul, did not stop at the first adversity. Yes, there were people there. You could not get close to Jesus. There were people outside and inside. They thought, what can we do? They already showed compassion. They went and got the man, brought him close to Jesus. And the Bible says, this version says, uh, the mat the man was laying on. If you think of the imagery of this, that requires more people. If they brought the man in a mat, I'm assuming also that this man could not walk by himself. Correct? The Bible could have said they dragged the man, the man walked. They brought the man in laying on a mat. 
And then they saw, well, what can we do? They thought, let's go to the roof. That's the only way. That, that, that's creative. Um, if, if I am the, 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 the homeowner, I may not think it's creative. I may not think it's a good thing. But they understood that this man, if he hears Jesus, listens to Jesus, is closer to Jesus, something good can come out of it. So they were creative. That one first problem did not stop these men. So this is the attitude that we need to have as a church. Whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. We need to be creative, creative in finding new ways, ministries, ideas, being willing to sacrifice our own desires, our own ideas for others, those who don't know Christ. When doing ministry, the question shouldn't be, is this the old way? It should be, is this an effective way? Are we being relevant to those around us? Are we making an impact? Someone said to me one time, the seven deadliest words of the church are, you guys want to take a stab at it? The seven deadliest words of the church are, we have always done it this way. So church, people, sons and daughters of Christ, we need to be careful that tradition doesn't replace compassion to bring people to Jesus. Let's be creative and pray for creativity. Some people are naturally creative. Uh, I work with Mandy and Georgia here at the church, and they are creative. Even as they say good morning, it's crazy. And sometimes, yeah, I am a little jealous. Um, if we don't have creativity, we can pray for it. God, help me to be creative in bringing people closer to you. The third quality that we have to have individually and as church is cooperation. Verse 3 says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. It was necessary that the four men worked together to bring this man laying on a mat. This man, this paralytic man, could not move himself. And think of it. Four men, maybe one on each corner, bringing this man, I don't know the distance from the paralytic man to the house where Jesus was, but it was necessary for men. Cooperation. Some, um, some versions of the Bible say, uh, say um, not a mat, but a stretcher, uh, depending on the, the version you have. Uh, but nonetheless, it was necessary that this man to be brought in by four others. Cooperation is something that we need to have if we, need, if we want to bring people closer to Christ. To make a serious impact in our community, region, so community I think of Andover, region I think of Merrimack Valley, and I think of New England. It takes a group of people working together. It takes all of us. We can make individual impact in people's lives. Absolutely we can. But if you're thinking of the gospel more globally, it takes all of us. So several questions come to mind. 
when, when, when it comes to cooperation. Question one, do you believe that there is a need in our city for people to meet Jesus? Absolutely. There's people in Andover hurting. There are neighbors of yours and mine hurting. Question two, do you believe that God has called us to this place at this time for a specific purpose or mission? Absolutely. You go nowhere by accident. Do you believe that God is capable of doing big things, such as reaching out to Andover, Merrimack Valley, and New England? Do you believe that God uses people like us to accomplish these things? So church, we need to cooperate together if you want to have an impact in this town, in the Merrimack Valley, and New England. These men do not have a name in the Bible, but their impact was transformational in the life of this one paralytic man. And if you are a church guy, I was, I was born in church, um, and sometimes you wonder, um, how effective is this? How are we really making an impact? We don't know. It's really hard to measure the action of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. When we pray that may the Holy Spirit stir, stirs people heart, people's hearts, it's hard to see that. It's, it's kind of like really hard to measure. But think with me. These four men who had compassion, who were creative, who worked together, so they cooperated together, they were able to be used by God to transform this one man's life. That's all it is, one man's life. But if you look at this one man, I'm sure there were people who knew him. I'm sure there, this man had a family. Can you imagine the impact of this one act on this man's life and all of those around him? The four, oh, yes. I think that FCC does a really good job in showing cooperation, honestly. We have Alpha, which is a huge endeavor. Uh, for the people to come, there's an army of people helping out with the promotion of stuff, with making the food, with uh, leading the small group talk. There's a lot. Making an impact requires cooperation. The fourth quality of these men is confidence. Verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed men, son, your sins are forgiven. I want to make something clear. The faith of these men didn't save the paralytic. But it, bring, it brought this one paralytic person to a place where he could be saved. Does that make sense? Their work and what they did did not save the paralytic men. But they worked together to bring this paralytic man, a person who need Jesus, close to Jesus, where then he could be saved. So the church is in need of stretcher bearers. 
The church is in need of these four men. One grabs one corner of the mat, and we together work because we need to understand the value of one so. The church is in need of stretcher barriers, men and women who will, who will have the kind of faith to bring needy people to Jesus. We need to live life confident that God is able to do more than we can ask and imagine. We need to live life confident that God has the power to save, change, and transform people's lives. These four men knew Jesus could do something for this paralytic man. We know that Jesus can save. So again, compassion, creativity, cooperation, confidence. The five C's of people who understand the value of a soul. The fifth one is courage. Verses 11 and 12 says, I'll tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked home. In the full view of everyone. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So this paralytic man was healed spiritually and physically by the power of Jesus Christ and by the work of these four men that we don't know their names, but they were instrumental in changing this man's life. These men didn't care about what others would say or thought. They did what they had to, to do to get this man to Jesus. Why? Because these four men understood the value of one soul. Look, uh, Luke 5.10 says, this is really, really important. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There is how much one soul is valued. When one sin, sinner repents, there is a party in heaven. Isn't that amaze, amazing? One life brought to Jesus. There is a party in heaven with the angels. So God gave you breath. He gave me breath for two reasons. To praise him, to praise the Lord, and to tell others about Jesus. Church, we are in a new year, 2023. And the reality is, there's people outside these walls who need to hear about Jesus. There's people in our families who need to hear about Jesus. There is a need for Jesus at a time like this. I want to make something clear, though. I have a really good friend of mine who says, people are not projects. Correct. I agree with that 150%. People are not project. People have their own will. People have their own way of doing things. I agree with that. We are here to love people, not work on them. However, we individually need to be intentional in sharing our story. 
the story of how we came to Jesus. Our own story and how Jesus transformed us. And I think that's very important. Some of us, most of us think, well, that's Pastor Dan's job. That's Pastor JP's job. That's somebody else's job. No. The Great Commission to go to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel, it's for all of us, you and me. And you might say, well, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. Well, like me, I just play the piano. Um, if we share how Jesus transformed our lives, it becomes personal. It becomes genuine. To be honest with you, we don't need a program. To be honest with you, we don't need a method. People today are eager for something genuine, to have a, a real connection. And I say that fully believing in what I'm talking about. One of the things that COVID really taught all of us was life can change in a week. In a week, I heard of this virus. The week later, this virus was, was here. The week later, everything was shut down. So people who don't know Jesus need to hear that there's hope, need to hear how Jesus transformed your life. And that's, what, that's, what, that's what's going to create the connection. If we do that, if we share how Jesus transformed our lives and our own story, it's not working on people. It's sharing the good news. So church, I encourage you to do four things in 2023, okay? In 2023, we need, we need to be people who understand the value of one. So remember, when one sinner repents, there's a party in heaven. Number one, we can make it a priority. Our God-given mission in the Great Commission, Jesus calls us to make disciples and baptize people of all nations. We don't have to go far. Discipleship starts at home. If you're a Christian, parent, father, mother, discipleship starts at the dinner table with your kids. If you're not a Christian father and mother, discipleship starts in your front lines. It's been five years that I've been here and five years that I've heard, you go nowhere by accident. So your front lines is the place where you can be transformational, is the place where you can bring people to Christ. Number two, be intentional. Number one, make it a priority. Number two, be intentional. And that, that might sound funny, but spend your day or maybe part of your day looking for people who need Jesus. That is very weird to say, but so true. Be mindful, church, of those outside the circles. Be mindful of those who are not here. Think and pray of those who you know in your heart who should be here. Number three, have a plan. 
know, that you're, know what you're going to say. And that's when people say, like me, oh, I'm not a preacher, I'm okay. Right? But Fernando, I don't know what to say. Share your story. Share what Jesus has done for you, how he changed you, or what Jesus means to you. You don't have a theology, you don't, you don't have to have a theology degree to share your story. And if you do so, it's become, it, it, it's then genuine, it's then valid. If you share your story, that's what people are looking for, that connection that is real. And number four, pray for opportunity. Pray for divine encounters. That's living life in, on mission. Pray today, God, send me a person that I can share the gospel with. Send me a person that I can share what you've done in my life with. So four things that we need to do in 2023 in order to understand the value of a soul. Number one, make it a priority. Number two, be intentional. Number three, have a plan. And number four, pray for divine encounters. Pray for opportunities. And why? Verse 5 of Mark 2 says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Those are the greatest words that the human heart can ever hear. The journey is over. The need for approval, no more. Feeling like you don't measure up, not anymore. Because the Lord says, you are loved and honored. And verse 5 says, your, your sins are forgiven. In this verse, Jesus calls him by his new identity. What do I mean by that? That's crazy. Jesus is saying, you are my son, your family. I love you. I know who you are. I want to spend time with you. And he says, your sins are forgiven. You don't have to measure yourself up according to this earthly measures. It's not society, church, who tells us who we are. It's Jesus Christ. People outside these walls need to hear this. It's not what they do. It's not what they accomplish. It's not what, how much money they make. It's not their profession. Their sins are forgiven when they receive Christ. Their sons and daughters that Christ loves so much. So to those here today or listening and online who don't know Jesus, my question to you is, are your sins forgiven? Are you part of the family? Jesus calls you sons and daughters. And for those of you here and listening online who know Jesus Christ, help and work in a way that more people will hear these words. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Amen? Amen.